What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Basement five for five. Hey, it's Craig Vigio. Listen to the home of the Astros in your home. Just tell your smart speaker, play Sports Talk 790 on iHeartRadio. Time to talk some NFL football. The 53-man roster has been set. The practice squad's been set. Days off for, as far as the eye can see, for the football franchise now being run by Nick Casario and David Culley. Let's talk to Aaron Reese from The Athletic, who will join us each and every week here throughout the season. This is the first of those weeks. There is no game this weekend. The first of the 17 doesn't begin for another eight days until they get the field over at NRG Stadium all to themselves to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. When they put this roster together, and it is now in place, I said I thought they would probably make four to five changes after they said it, looked at the waiver wire, and made some changes. I could not have been more wrong. They made zero changes, basically. Everybody that was in camp is basically with this team. What about that surprises you, if anything? Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's very surprising to me. I, you know, I feel like you think about the way the whole offseason went, right? This the constant turn of people. I mean, we had... Uh, Ryan Finley, who was traded for and then did not even practice before he was cut, or he maybe practiced once. So, uh, I think, I think that was a fair assumption. Uh, maybe there, you know, there still could be a little bit more movement. Maybe there will still be things happen between now and, uh, the start of the first game. I, I still struggled to believe that they would, uh, you know, roll into this game with five receivers, and one of whom is Andre Roberts, who is a return specialist, who's, I think, caught 18 passes in the past four seasons. The other is, Another is Anthony Miller, who has, you know, had a shoulder dislocation after the first preseason game and hasn't practiced since. Um, so I think there may be still more changes, but I did, I did expect more. You kind of hinted at one thing I knew I would eventually ask you here today, and it was about the construction of the roster. Something among the many I had issue with with the previous regime is they would purposely, uh, intentionally, stupidly, go into games with rosters that weren't going to work, knowing that, well, we love throwing to our tight end, so we're going to have two up today. Well, we know we're going to do this, but we don't have any on the roster. And looking at all those things you just pointed out, they might go into this game with zero slot receivers. I assume Alex Erickson almost has to be brought up from the practice squad, but five backs, three tight ends, a receiving group with zero healthy slot receivers doesn't seem to make any sense for the offense they have and the quarterback they have. No, it does not. Um, you know, I think the, the one thing also that is you mentioned the tight ends, like, you know, this is a team that I think knows they're going to need to run the ball well and knows that kind of to reduce, um, shorten the game and, you know, reduce the, uh, or kind of close the gap between them and more talented teams. And, you know, they only have three tight ends and two of them, Jordan Akins and Brevin Jordan are guys who are not really, you know, very good blockers. The more guys you want to split out wide. Uh, so that doesn't really make a ton of sense. I think that they probably will try to call up, uh, Anthony Auclair from the practice squad. Uh, he was someone who I thought maybe would make the 53 uh, as a, a blocking tight end. And then also, uh, Paul Quick, uh, 
I forget the, I'm, I'm going to blank on his first name, the Christopher. I think it is Paul. It is. Uh, it, 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 it was the fullback slash tight end. I think they might call him up too. So they have kind of some of those, those heavier personnel. So, you know, I mean, this was a team that under Tim Kelly used, um, used 12 personnel, like the seventh highest rate in the league. Uh, so I think they're going to want to continue to use a lot of t- two tight ends, maybe three tight ends on occasion. So the team as constructed doesn't make a ton of sense for that other than you think, well, okay, they clearly want to run the ball. They have five running backs on the field. Although as Nick Cazero said, they're not going to be trying to run the wishbone. Aaron Reese of the... Uh, he was telling lots of jokes the other day. That was one of them. <laughs> Aaron Reese. He was feeling himself, yeah. Yeah, no, he, he definitely was. Aaron Reese of The Athletic joining us here on uh, Sports Talk 790. You mentioned you know the running game, and you mentioned Tim Kelly, and he's kind of the holdover, obviously, from an offensive standpoint especially, but he's not obviously going to be having the quarterback skill that he's accustomed to. And so how does that factor in? Because I, I know we don't ever want to make too much of the preseason, but when it did come to the offense having some success, it seemed like it was with the running of the football. And that's an interesting position in and of itself just because of the names that are here. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think that, well, first off, they can't be worse, right? I mean, they ranked last in, in rushing DVOA last season, so they were they were pretty terrible. Um, I think that they will just they will probably be better. I think one thing that also, if you're uh, if you're a Texans fan, has to be encouraging is they were pretty successful running the ball without you know Tyrod Taylor being a threat to run, and I think that probably will he they will factor him into the running game. He will pull the ball and keep it himself sometimes uh, in the regular season. So I think that should open up more lanes for them too. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that they can be better running the ball. My question is just, like, how much better? And ultimately, to what degree does it matter? Does it make up for the regression in the passing game? Probably not. I mean, just because everything we know about the modern NFL is that passing is more important than running. And you also have to think about this sort of games this team is going to be in. Sure, they maybe can keep it close and keep, you know, short in the game, like I mentioned, running the ball successfully for a full game. But I also think there are going to be times that this defense is going to give up a, um, you know, get, let the opponent get out to an early lead. And then, you know, they're not going to be, you know, if you're down two scores in the th- late in the third quarter, are you really going to be running the ball, you know, these 12-play drives all the way down the field? Probably not. Everything that we say, how is it all balanced out against what are the unfortunate but likely goals of this team which is to help the future of this team by landing themselves in a strong draft position. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think uh, I think it's it's tough. You know, obviously, I think this team knows that they're not going to be good. I, I don't. You know, I think even I was impressed that Nick Casario said in that press conference that it's going to be more about the process than the results. I thought that was a very kind of like level-headed way to and sobering way to talk about it because that uh, is probably just, you know, more convincing to a fan than trying to say that, you know, they're out here to compete and stuff like they were saying earlier. Um, I, you know, I think if you're a Texans fan, you probably, what, what's the good outcome? It probably is something like the 2019 Dolphins, right? Where it's like, this team is really bad, but you see at the end of the season that these guys are still playing hard for this coach. And I think that that's, that's possible. I mean, especially when you consider that, you know, like what, like over half the team is in a contract year, whether because they signed a one-year deal or they're at the end of their deal. I mean, these guys are going to have no shortage of reason to play hard. And I think that they, if they simply play hard, can probably steal a few games from more talented teams that are kind of less motivated or checked out a lot like the 2020 Texans. Uh, you know, the answer to this question might seem obvious on the surface, but, you know, because it is such a complicated subject, because the whole scenario has been just something unlike we've ever seen before. At this point, you know, September 3rd, 2021, what is the, what's the Texans' ultimate goal with Deshaun Watson? Is it 
to trade him, to trade him for you know what they're wanting? Is it to try and convince him to play again? I know that seems like it's out the window, but I it just seems like this has evolved over time, especially on the Texan side of things. What do you think their ultimate goal is for the Deshaun Watson situation right now, and maybe even a timeline if you had to predict it? I mean, I don't, I don't get the sense that they really are holding out a lot of hope that they're going to change the guy's mind. I think that they, they you know, they, he feels pretty firm about what he wants to do. Um, so it is a matter of when you can trade him. Uh, and I think, you know, in terms of when that is, I think it's whenever they get the offer they want, you know, the widely reported three first round picks and, and two second round picks and more. Um, I, I don't see a reason that a team would give that up now quite frankly i mean you know if you've gotten to this point you're gonna have you know if you weren't willing to get up before the draft things have only gotten more complicated since is kind of the way i've always viewed it so what would entice you to do it now uh and and you know who are you bidding against to kind of make that deal now because probably not a lot of teams that are willing to pull the trigger on that now so i think it's just the most realistic outcome that they wait until after the season until next off season when maybe there will be more clarity you know i think maybe is important here because we never know what this sort of situation but at the very least you would know the slots of the draft picks um, that you would be getting in 2022, which I I don't think is necessarily the most important thing to them. I think it obviously is a pro to waiting, but I think it's just more like that is probably the the most next realistic kind of exit point on this whole thing. Uh, the other aspect of this is we're talking with Aaron Reese of the Athletic about the Texans here that I brought up recently. I think it was yesterday, and I, I don't even remember bringing it up ever before. You're waiting to the next off season, presumably. Could that not also bring three to? F- I mean, if we're already under the assumption that there are owners that are willing to trade for him, then I'm going to keep with that assumption and saying there will be next off season as well. There will be teams that have bad seasons. There will be teams that definitively decide Daniel Jones can't be our quarterback anymore per se. Won't possibly three to five more teams that Deshaun Watson would accept a trade to be in the mix? I think absolutely. I mean, I think I think there will always be teams. Uh, that are going to be interested in, in acquiring a guy like this. You know, I, I think, you know, obviously the, the situation is complicated. The allegations are very serious, but what we know about the NFL is that, you know, winning does to Trump all a lot of times, maybe to a degree that disappoints certain fans or, or people at times. And so I think there will be teams that we don't think about now that will, of course, be in the mix a year from now. And it also will, you know, depend a lot on kind of what the, um, what the draft looks like, right? I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of people who think right now, and obviously, you know, people said this the year before Joe Burrow came out and stuff, but there are always, there are always people who think, oh, this draft is not kind of this like stellar draft, like this 2020 draft where there's four quarterbacks who might go in the top five or something like that. Like, I don't think that it, this has that sort of crop of quarterbacks, at least it doesn't look that way now. So that obviously creates another sense of desperation if there's more clarity on the overall situation and more teams that kind of are in the mix. Um, it could, you know, create more of a, a competitive market for him. And, and I think, yeah, definitely there are teams that we're not talking about now that could become contenders eventually. In your latest piece for The Athletic, you gave 10 Houston Texans predictions. I don't want to give all 10 of them away, but I have to ask you about the first one. It reads, the Texans will not finish with the NFL's worst record. You you, you disagree. That's the sense I'm getting here. I'm wondering, and I, I can read it. I don't want to read it to our listeners here, but how do you see it playing out where that doesn't happen? Is it that they win more games than we think they're going to, or there's some awful other teams out there that are equally inept at putting up W's. I mean, I think, I think there were obviously, I think the Lions could be just as bad as them. I think that uh, there are some teams where the bottom could fall out and it doesn't look good. I mean, you know, Carolina's making a, a big bet on Sam Darnold. And I don't know if they have a great line necessarily either. Um, you know, I, I think that the big thing though, is that we are, 
underrating or people, I think at large are underrating how bad the overall division is, right? Like I, you know, the, the Jaguars are rebuilding themselves. They just had the number one pick. Urban Meyer's offense and stuff it was only the preseason, but did not look great. So I don't, I don't necessarily know that they're going to be significantly better than the Texans. Um, the Colts have, you know, the one of the league's lowest vaccina- vaccination rates that could obviously um, alter the dynamic of any game on any given week. Uh, not to mention that they're betting that Carson Wentz is going to be like at least more of like a league average quarterback, which I think is probably the most likely outcome if you think about his highs and lows and where he falls in between. But like, you know, who knows? Maybe he's just as bad as last year or this year as he was last year. Uh, and then the Titans have one of the most top heavy rosters in the league. You know, if Julio Jones goes down or if Derrick Henry goes down, how much better is that team? The defense is really, really terrible. That's a team that I think could make the Texans offense look okay. And if the defense on the other side for the Texans continues to force turnovers like they have, um, then I think that kind of closes the gap. You know, I, the, the thing is, is like the Texans were a really bad team last year. They won four games, right? But if you think about kind of their record of one score games, the fact that they had, you know, one of the lowest takeaway totals in this century, the second lowest in the century, like this team was also very unlucky. And like generally that stuff bounces back. So I think if they're on the right side of luck, they produce more turnovers. They catch their bad division opponents at the right time. It's not unreasonable to me, like right there, that they maybe go three and three in the division. Do I think that's what happens? Probably not. But like, I do think that they maybe have the second worst record in the NFL or the third worst record in the NFL. Interesting way to look at it, especially with that luck. Nick Martin and Deshaun Watson combined for an unlucky fumble. Neither will play for them this year. Kiki QT, late game fumble. He won't be here this year. Two wins. I like your math. I like the way you think. Fans will as well. And I can't wait to continue these conversations both out there at the facility, as we always do, and of course for our listeners each and every Friday throughout the season. Aaron, we appreciate the time. Yeah, looking forward to it, guys. Thank you. You got it. How many weeks in until we can ask him how he sets the mood? Well, we will ask him next week because we'll want to set the the mood to give us that football feeling next week Yes, because the season will be starting. But if you could read between the lines of what he said, if he had 11 predictions in his piece, the 11th one would have been the Texans are going to start the season 2-1 and with victories in week one against the Jaguars at home and week three Thursday night against the Panthers. I can't wait till that happens and people start actually thinking they're good. It's going to be hilarious. It's it's coming, I think. All right, it is side splittingly funny. Can't wait. Well, I mean, you know, lots to get to the rest of the show as well. We're just not even an hour in. Think about this coming up soon. We're going to tell you who's going to win the NFL championship, who's going to be the rookie of the year, the best player in the league, the MVP, etc. It's coming up in our a draft. We'll jump back into the conversation on the other side. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfer. Transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.